why glory to God in all things is your best response to life's ups and downs. You see, there's a lot we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know who we will marry for young people who aren't married. We don't know if we will have serious health issues in life. There's just a lot of uncertainty in life. But we do know that God loves us. He tells us so in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall have eternal life. He tells us he knows the number of hairs on our head. It's my head and I don't even know the number of hairs on my head. He tells us that he cares for the lilies of the field and the sparrows and not to worry. I'll take care of you. I got this. There's a story of an old Jewish rabbi who was very poor and had a hard life. But he never complained and he thanked God because he trusted that God knew what was best for him for his salvation. And he embraced it because it kept him totally dependent upon God. Now the rabbi didn't know at the time that his understanding was rooted in scientific knowledge. A study was done on power. How do humans behave when they acquire power? So they did a social experiment with seventh grade boys and they found that the boys kind of organized themselves into groups and raised up leaders for themselves. Now there were always bullies in the group but their power only extended so far. It was the kids who were empathetic, who could listen to the needs of others who rose to the top in leadership. It was the boys who were genuinely concerned that were given power in the community. But an interesting thing happened when they received that power and that influence over their peers. Their own sense of their importance began to make them less sensitive to others and more aware of their importance and privilege. This kind of behavior is echoed in the statement by Sir John Dahlberg of Acton in the mid-19th century. He says, as he writes to an Anglican bishop, power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It is the classic tale of the young, idealistic, sincere person rising through the political ranks as a servant of the people only to find themselves doing immoral and unethical things to maintain the power that they have achieved. Now, if this is an unfair stereotype, or is there scientific proof to back it up that this happens to people when they get power? Or were they just a bad apple from the beginning and power didn't change them, they were already evil. Now, some people did an experiment and they said, 
Let's see what happens. So at a crosswalk on the university campus in Berkeley, cars are supposed to stop for people coming through. It's the law. So they set a man in the bush to watch and write down what kind of cars obeyed the law and what kind of cars did not obey the law when there was somebody about to enter the crosswalk. Well, they found that a very high percentage of the people that drove very humble cars stopped most of the time and let the person cross. But they found people that drove expensive cars 54% of the time did not stop. They kept going right on through. So they concluded that the people that didn't have power were more sensitive to the laws and to the people around them. Who knows why the other people didn't obey the laws, but there was a Prius owner who said, surely Prius owners obeyed the law. So they looked up the statistics and they said, actually, you were one of the worst. <laughs> that was shocking. So they did several experiments like this. One, they put a plate of five cookies in a room with three people. One was the manager and two were the subordinates. So they each took one cookie and they were enjoying these delicious chocolate chip cookies. And before anybody could take a second, the boss took one. So put the other two in kind of a predicament. There's one cookie left, and out of politeness, neither one of them took it. But they use this to kind of say that when we are in a position of power, we begin to feel differently about the other. That's the saying in Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Look at today's gospel reading. The familiar story of Zacchaeus, which by the way signals the beginning of the march toward Lent, and it's only January. It is essentially a story about relinquishing power, privilege, and security for truth, love, and relationship. By making things right and restoring money to those he had robbed through unjust taxes, he earned the title from our Lord, Son of Abraham. That means a man of faith. You see, power had blinded him to a sympathetic understanding of the other. But his encounter with Christ, the Son of God, changed his heart, and truth, love, peace, joy, became more important to him than money. And Zacchaeus was willing to give up earthly security in order to gain life in Christ. We are reminded of the saying in Matthew 16, 26, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now, this is not an endorsement of irresponsibility or turning poverty into a virtue. We can't sit back and have no ambition or not do our part to care for others. 
and develop our skills and our talents and make a living. It is an endorsement for being thankful and content in all circumstances, trusting that God knows us and loves us and will never leave us or forsake us. That our security does not lie in our possessions, but in faith in God, who can take every situation that we find ourselves in in life and bring good out of it. There is a lot we don't know in life. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. But we do know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.